This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Reporting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, it's time for the weekly Nerd News Update with your two-headed correspondent, John Matt. Welcome to your team. Welcome to your THN Nerd News Update for the week of April 2nd through April 8th. I am your head number one, and my name is Matt Baum. And I'm your head number two, the Internet's Joe Patrick, and we begin with Star Wars Celebration 2023. The annual Star Wars Celebration began with announcements for three new live-action films. I believe people were just screaming about this very recently, like, are they ever going to announce anything? Here we go. It begins with Logan and Indiana Jones and Dial Destiny director James Mangold is going to be helming a film about the first Jedi, Dawn of the Jedi, that takes place 25,000 years in the past. <laughs> and he is calling it mm-hmm. a biblical epic. Yeah, so it's basically this is this is now the earliest time period ever. Yeah, it's a story of the first Jedi ever explored is the idea. Uh, in the Star Wars universe. So previously that was the Old Republic and uh, I guess, right, the Old old Republic. And I honestly yeah, don't so know. This is Dawn of the Jedi. I feel like Star Wars continually kind of goes back and adds stuff that's further and further back. I, I mean, hey, look, I love Dune. Dune does the same stuff too. So I, I'm not shocked by it. And this sounds interesting. We get to see like how the first person found the force or whatever. James Mangold's a rad director. We both think Indiana Jones looks great. We both love yeah. Logan. So yep. this is interesting to me, one, because they can do the Jedi stuff without having to go back to the Skywalker well that I'm just over. I'm done with it, you know? Yeah, well, you know, try to think good thoughts about that as we continue on. With oh, don't worry. <laughs> Next up, Star Wars architect Dave Filoni was announced that he'll be directing a new film set in the time period of The Mandalorian, culminating in the conflict between the Imperial Remnant and the New Republic. So Filoni, so, he's been your architect recently and, uh, for most of this Yeah, stuff. this has been uh, described as kind of like the thing that bridges all of the Disney Plus shows. So it's not just in the time period of The Mandalorian. It is it is the culmination of all of these th- threads. Right. You know, ah- Ahsoka, what's going on with Mando. I don't really know what that means. Well, we're going to talk about Star Wars TV news a little bit here that might shed a little bit of light on this. Maybe. Filoni's been a very important architect to these shows. I'm saying he's 50-50. I don't totally trust him. We'll see where this goes. Right now, uh, there are things... I think things you're being a big dumb baby. About ...in it, these threads right. that I that I do find interesting. There's other stuff that I think has kind of slowed down a little bit in this season of The Mandalorian. It's not bad, but I wouldn't call it great right now. We'll see. Oh, I love it. Uh, like, I'm really loving it, uh, and I thought this most recent episode was... The most recent one was wild. a lot of fun. It was wild. It was wild. It was a lot uh, of fun. Your final movie announcement, Charmaine Obeyed Shinoy will direct a film starring Jedi Master Ray Skywalker, Daisy Ridley herself, who will now rebuild the Jedi Order. This is Obeyed Shinoy's first major film debut. She directed two episodes of the Miss Marvel show, and most recently she directed a uh, TV documentary called Fundamental Gender Justice. She has a lot of like documentary work about the treatment of women in the Middle East and whatnot. Topical documentaries behind her. She's very talented. She's very hot in Hollywood right now. 
I am not excited about this. I, <laughs> I just don't care. I'm so oh, worried. I mean, uh, look, <laughs> I, I don't care. Ray Skywalker is not really a Skywalker, so it doesn't matter to me. Like, no, I get that. She, she, she took to the name, whatever, but it's still connected to a lot of stuff that I just don't care about. I think they muddied the waters too much or whatever. She's a, uh, she's the granddaughter of a clone of the Emperor, some dumb shit. I don't yeah. Ray Skywalker is her rap name. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like, did you think we weren't going to get a story about the the rebuilding of the Jedi Order? I I'm mean, not come saying on. I didn't think we weren't going to. I knew they could not resist this because they keep saying, we're going to turn the camera away from them. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> but they, no, but not. they have. <laughs> like, they've been doing that since, they've, since the first season of The Mandalorian. I mean, yes, we've seen Luke Skywalker, but that's just because during in the time during which The Mandalorian is set, yeah. he's the guy. You find a baby Yoda, he's the guy. Well, of course, of course. And, and this is so, not me trying to be a troll here. I just didn't care for the last three movies. I thought they set up something cool in the second one and then chickened out in the third one, and I don't need to go back there. I just don't. I'm done. I think it's going to be fine. I, I think it's going to be fine, and I think that this movie is not the last movie, nor was the last movie the second movie or the movie before that. Every movie is different. Like what they did in, in Rise of Skywalker was dumb. It was dumb. But yeah. We are done with that now. The Emperor is gone. The Empire is gone. The First Order is gone. And now it's time to rebuild the Jedi Order. And I want to see what comes next, especially since they spent all that time teasing it in The Last Jedi, you know, like with the, the little kids that we saw. Were sure. Using and, and, and I thought that was legit interesting. And maybe if they're going to go in that direction. Great. And this is takes this is a huge time jump as well. It is so 15 she's older years. and more experienced. Yeah, 15 years um, after the last film. So they're just going to have to thread a needle here and make Ray a badass, learn from the stakes of the J.J. Abrams movies, and just move on. There's every chance that it could be great and that it will have nothing to do with the, you know, however you felt about oh, the last I 100% one, but- agree that it could be great. I'm just saying when you announce this, I go, this was the one that went, hmm. <laughs> well, there, and that i mean that's again it better be fine, great because otherwise I'm, I'm out <laughs> you know? yes you'll stop liking star wars forever you're no you'll i would say i'm stop your, liking it you'll burn I just, all your all your star wars stuff i feel you better know, and better laser off your tattoos every time i watch a star trek show i feel better and better about being a trekkie that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> look man there's room in my heart for both i think that it's interesting that we're getting this Filoni uh, movie is is interesting to me because does that mean that like is it Pedro Pascal and Katie Saka like I, well we really don't know they they, they just are talking about the conflict between the Imperial Remnant and the New Republic that says to me it's not the Mandalorian I mean the Mandalorians may play a part of this but that sounds like a bigger thing with some rebels we're going to introduce and see and I read a, I read a, a thing that specifically stated that it would be the bridge between all of the shows quite possibly yeah we don't really maybe uh, i'm curious to know if that means uh, translating these characters that we've been watching on disney plus to the big screen or or what i don't know but we'll learn more about that uh we'll learn more about that as time goes on Uh, i think the uh, dawn of the jedi is pretty sweet i think that's a that's definitely the most interesting one to me yeah i think that sounds cool as hell something's coming something dark there was also plenty of star wars tv news announced as well including a first look at andor season two and skeleton crew which is being called an amblin style series about a group of space adventuring kids under the care of jude law from spider-man director john watts and a few other people including 
Oscar winning duo, the Daniels. They're hot shit right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> hot um, shit now right what now. they, people got super duper excited about it and they had to come out and say, look guys, we wrote an episode of yeah. skeleton crew. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it before everything everywhere all at once even came out. So calm down. But the big TV news was the Ahsoka trailer, which we did get, but there was a second Ahsoka trailer as well shown today, which we will discuss in a moment. Here's a breakdown of that trailer. We get a name drop of Grand Admiral Thrawn. We get to see the back of his big blue head, and they call him the heir to the Empire. It's uh, Timothy Zahn. Which we're, we're... immediately invokes Gotta a very be. specific thing in the minds of Star Wars fans. It, we see live action versions of the Rebels crew, the Star Wars Rebels crew, that is the cartoon. Right. We're talking Sabine, who was the Mandalorian warrior and artist previously voiced by actor Tia Surkar, now played in live action by Natasha Lou Bordizzo. We've got uh, Hera, the uh, what's her race again? Hera Syndulla is a Twi'lek. That is a Twi'lek. Thank you. you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Twi'leks are. Most famously known for being uh, Jabba's slave dancers, right. the blue ladies with the tentacles. <laughs> Hera was voiced by Vanessa Marshall on the show, now played in live action by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which I I guess I didn't catch because she was in green makeup and prosthetics. I did. I love her. I, I also love her. I think he's even in the trailer, but you we might not recognize him because it just looks like a normal dude. A live action version of young Jedi Ezra Bridger who I guess now would be older. Yeah, he's there as like a hologram only. And is now played by Iman Esfandi. And of course, we see everyone's favorite violent droid, C-110P, who goes by Chopper, a veteran who, despite his short temper, has a heart or a core of gold. Ray Stevenson's character is called Balin, who seems to be what Legends lore well, Hold on, define. before we do that, let's talk about, oh. let's talk about the Rebels crew, because there's a, I mean... Oh. That's huge. It's the first time we've seen them in live action. They're- well, no, because two weeks ago in The Mandalorian, we saw Zeb. Oh, he was also from he's uh, one of the Star Rebels Wars Rebels. Group. Okay. Yeah, um, and he showed up in the diner talking to the X-Wing pilot. The bat face guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know what? Yes, he does kind of have yeah. a bat face. Okay. So, but yeah, uh, they look great. They look phenomenal. They all look, uh, yeah, they all look really good. I, I haven't watched much Rebels, but I definitely recognized all these characters. They've got some star like, power behind them, which is cool. Now, and, I will, I will say that I did not catch Ezra because, as I said, Ezra just looks like a normal human man. Yeah, like he's so, grown up now. Like, Ezra was a kid on the show in, right? in Rebels, and this would, uh, and this would be tail into the clone wars so this would be like 10 15 years later or something or well um if it's um during ahsoka so if it's during the new republic era in line with the mandalorian then we're a few years after return of the jedi okay gotcha. so but like five years after return of the jedi oh, that's so right. yeah about five years 10 at, years yeah five years after so yeah he's so 10 years after rebels he'd be probably 20 at least or something in or... his early 20s yeah or mid 20s yeah he was probably i would guess 15 16 in that show uh, Ray Stevenson is in the show. His character is called Balin, who seems to be what Legends lore would define as a dark Jedi, uh, a dark side wielder who is not necessarily a Sith, but not a Jedi anymore either. I thought they were called gray Jedi. Well, I think people just address them that. But like dark Jedi was a thing where it's like you showed enough dark side that the Jedis were like, get the heck out of here, man. You're doing it wrong. But they but you didn't go full bad side. guys. And that's another thing that comes out of 
some of the Timothy Zahn books, that idea that like gotcha, there's gotcha. people that walk the middle. So yeah, I just don't think they refer to them as gray. I think dark Jedi gotcha. is the term or whatever. I love Ray Stevenson. So thumbs up to that. There was a new trailer today or I guess overnight because it's in is in London. So right. there's six hours ahead. That's threw me. They're um, like, wait a minute, the Star Wars celebration is starting at eight in the morning. <laughs> yeah, like, what no, is going uh, on? <laughs> this uh yeah, this this happened many hours ago. Yeah. They showed a second trailer for Ahsoka today at celebration. And not only uh, do you see Thrawn in the flesh, you hear him talk. And I put a picture of it in the Discord but he is being played by Lars Mikkelsen, who is the brother of Hannibal himself, Mads Mikkelsen. He was also the voice of Thrawn. And he was, in the uh, and yeah, uh, and his brother was Galen Erso in mm-hmm. uh, Rogue One. So yeah, uh, Lar- I didn't know that he was the voice of Thrawn. That is rad. Uh, but yeah, he looks amazing. Okay, he time out. Amazing. Time out. Back up. You just said that Thrawn's brother is Galen Erso because Thrawn's an alien. No, his brother. Oh, the actor. The Galen actor. Urso. Gotcha. Okay, sorry. Mads Mikkelsen played Galen. Sorry, <laughs> the way you said it, I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute!" Did they uh, change by that? marriage, he's adopted. He's uh, clearly because Thrawn is blue. There, he's adopted. No, um, Mads Mikkelsen, Lars's brother, played Galen Urso in Star Wars Rogue One. I, I did not know that Lars Mikkelsen was the voice of Thrawn in the cartoon. He that was is awesome. Yeah, no. So you got to do it. His voice he's super was, duper looks the part. His though. voice was great and paint his face blue and just let him go. I'm down. He I looked him up. He's done very little that American audiences yeah. would be familiar with. He's done a lot of like Swedish and Danish, uh, like European TV. Because right. Because that's where they're from. They're from, De- from Denmark. Um, but he's like, he was in house of cards, you know, a, a couple episodes of house of cards. Uh, you know, he's been in some things here and there, but very, very little uh, in terms of American exposure. He's a character other than actor, being the yeah. voice of Thrawn. And so that is super cool. He looks so good. Yeah. And Thrawn is like, I would argue that one of star Wars's problems is they have never developed another bad guy as scary as Darth Vader. Right. Bad guys popped up and did bad stuff. And you were like, oh, man, that guy's cool. But you killed him in that same movie and they were gone or whatever. And Thrawn is a legit bad guy. Straight up. One of the most interesting expanded universe Star Wars bad guys there. Oh, yeah. Thrawn is rad. So I am super excited to see what they're going to do with him. My guess is the Dave Filoni movie is going to be very Thrawn centric. Well, yeah. If this whole thrust of New Republic era shows. Yeah. Mandalorian for sure, Ahsoka for sure. Like these are all about the the Empire trying to like rebuild itself. Yeah. And if he's the heir to the Empire, like he's gonna be the guy. He's gonna be your main villain. Definitely. And you're gonna see this new Republic versus Thrawn, basically, and how that got started. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's so great. Uh for those of you that have read the books, um in the image that they showed uh of Thrawn, you don't get to see his little worm pal. Well, I don't uh, think he has it yet because that's something that happens. Well, but also there are no Jedi, though. Well, there's there's like one Jedi. There's two, one or two Jedi. There's yeah. Luke. Well, uh, that we've Force seen. <laughs> like that we've seen. Well, there are, the, there are yeah. the ones in hiding that there are whatever right. ones in hiding that survive. Yeah. No, but the whole bug but thing. Like, we don't know where they're going to go with the Timothy Zahn book stuff, but that uh, the, comes the later. Heir to, Heir to the Empire is not in continuity because Heir to the Empire was right. about Luke and Leia and blah, blah, blah. But even so like, like in this the. Is a, this is a completely different usage of Thrawn. So there might not be. Right. So if you don't understand what we're talking about in the Heir to the Empire books, 
Thrawn had this worm. It's a slug. That rode around his neck. Yeah, slug. Yeah. It made him impervious to the force. Well, it repels the force basically yeah and so like he it made him immune to jedi mind tricks yeah it's a force proof vest if you will yeah yeah and uh and but he's not wearing it. and i was like oh no worm but <laughs> I mean, I, it would not surprise me if like when the jedi make themselves known he goes okay i need to figure out because thrawn is a plotter Maybe. and a planner yeah. and that's where he goes oh we have this thing it does this thing it keeps force waiting he goes give me that slug necktie let's get in on this you know yeah maybe maybe uh, everything about the tv shows sounds Amazing to me. Uh, there was a. They also showed a trailer for Skeleton Crew, which they didn't release. But uh, I've seen. I've seen some bootleg footage. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, it was pretty teasy. Just like here's a picture of the kids. Yeah, here's a picture of Jude. But Law. it's just yeah. It's very like vo- voiceover plus a bunch of kids. Yeah. You know, you don't really. I don't even think that. Like I, I think the trailer or I think the recording cut off before Jude Law even showed up. So, um, but Skeleton Crew sounds great. Ahsoka looks phenomenal. Yeah, it looks uh, pretty slick. Our, our our buddy Jeff worked on Ashoka, and I, I love it. And the kid that plays Ezra is a friend of my manager at work, actually. And both of what? them said they had a fantastic time and they're super excited about this show. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of goodwill coming out of this. It looks great. We'll see where they go with it. But I'm excited. Good, real solid Star Wars TV news. Pretty good movie announcements, but we'll see. They tend to announce these movies and then they don't always get made. <laughs> I'll say that. I, I mean, right now, like right now, I'm all in on the TV shows. Any movie seems so far away, you know, because oh, yeah. they none of this, these, they, none of this is happening. They, annou- they announced these things like they came out and said, it's like, hey, don't worry. We're still making Lando. It's like, really? You announced it in 2020. Yeah. Well, it's 2023. And, and that's another thing to keep in mind. The last time they announced a bunch of movies, most of them went away. So we'll yeah. see. I don't know. But uh, I mean, like, so it, it, to me, when they announce a TV show, I'm like, oh, there's a good chance that we're going to see at least one of these. Well, Ashoka is August and Skeleton Crew is not scheduled yet. So it's 2023. That's all we know. They're tangible. They like I know they exist, right? They're, it's just a matter of time. The TV shows right now, they're, they're like, or the movies, they're like Schrodinger's movies. They're either dead or alive. Excuse me, Mr. Reyes. You finished scraping the gum off that lounger or what? In other trailer news, Blue Beetle got a trailer this week, Joe Patrick. I'm going to go through and uh, pick this one apart as what we saw. I will say, on a whole, looked pretty slick. It looks great. Looks kind of fun. I mean, like, not everybody is crazy about the new blue beetle or whatever. I mean, but I think the costume spot on, it looks like the yes. origin pretty much spot on. You know, he mm-hmm. has a scarab. His parents know his secret identity, just like in the comics, which is fun. Uh, that did take a while, but I'm glad that they're going that way. Sholo Maraduna is playing Jaime Reyes. When we first met Jaime in the comics, he lived in El Paso. Now he's living in Palmera city, which is fictional California city. Reyes moved to Palmera in the pages of the recent Blue Beetle Graduation Day miniseries. So, oh boy, I wonder if that was planned. Well, there's some other things that were planned. Cord Industries pops up in this, but we don't see Ted. But there is a Aha. lot of Ted stuff going on in yes. this trailer. We'll get to it. Uh, we do meet Ted's evil sister, Victoria. She is was, she the sister? Is that like a she is the comfort? older sister, and she was okay. created for the movie, but then she showed up also in Graduation Day in that miniseries. Again, I wonder, oh boy, it's almost like it's they a, had yeah, you know, it, it's almost like they talked to him. Uh, Raul Max Trujillo, you're gonna have to help me with this one. Playing the other villain, Conrad Carapax. 
Conrad Carapax was an archaeologist who was a minor rival of Daniel Garrett. He traveled alone to Pago Islands in hopes oh, of discovering what I'm, Garrick okay. had been searching for when he died. Carapax later on, he, okay, so that one, he wore like a suit of armor that was created by Jarvis Cord, who's the evil uncle of Ted Cord. There you go. So this is like straight up golden age blue beetle villain <laughs> that they sort of reworked and he kind of looks like Craven the Hunter. No, he's wearing like furry shoulder pads. He's kind of like uh, he's got like a furry kind of coat on. He's definitely not you wearing I armor. I thought I recognized him from a comic, but I guess I don't. There is a, a modern version, a, a, a modern in quotes, uh, of Carapax, Conrad Carapax, the indestructible man. Uh, he first appeared in Blue Beetle Volume 6, number one, which was um, the first DC Blue Beetle in 1986, the um, right. post-crash headquarter Blue Beetle. That was Volume 6. Wow. They really tried with Blue Beetle back in the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about Carapax. I can't, I can't say I do either. Blank slate. And uh, it doesn't look like the guy from the comic, so it doesn't matter. Have fun with it. There's yeah, a- I mean, it's fun that they're using the name. Um, it also makes sense. It, it would make sense if they go back to the Dan Garrett thing because we see references to both Dan Garrett and Ted Cord in like the Beetle Cave. Yeah, essentially, they show the bug, the ship. They and- show the bug, and it, and it is implied. The only reason why it's ex- implied and not explicit is because they don't actually say the words out loud, but they are in what is essentially the bat cave yeah. for blue beetle. And other than the bug, you also see a bunch of gear, uh, technology that they mess around with. And you get to see on display Dan Garrett's golden age, blue beetle costume and Ted cords, blue beetle costume. So at least so one other person world, has been they, blue beetle, maybe two. It, yeah. So if we don't see, I would be stunned if we did not see Ted cord in this movie. See, okay. Now, so. I'm not saying in costume. I'm saying no. I guess no. I get it. See Ted Cord. It would not surprise me if there is some type of credit cookie where we find out Ted Cord is alive or something like that. But does it count? Does it matter? Do we ever see it again? Because James Gunn is doing a whole new line of movies. I didn't like really follow up on it, but I saw another headline that was essentially the Blue Beetle movie could slot in with. Sure. They uh, said that about Black Adam and Shazam too, remember? (laughs) Yeah, but we, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's like literally nothing to tie this. I I don't disagree, but if this. To any old version of anything. If this makes Shazam money, it's, you're never going to see it again. Yeah, but it doesn't have Shazam baggage. It doesn't, but it also doesn't even have the name Shazam. It doesn't, the biggest star in this movie is Susan Sarandon. George Lopez. Uh, okay, and George Lopez as dad. Yeah, I mean, George I, Lopez as, I'm not as rooting the, against as the funny it. uncle. I don't know if he's the dad or the funny uncle. Or I'm not rooting against this, but I will say, look, you had Zachary Levi and you had The Rock, and both those movies tanked. Those, and I'm not, I'm not saying like Levi. No, no, big I get it. Rock. But um, but this looks like a movie that would be fun for kids. Maybe, and I, I think if they, I, I think if they're selling this as a fun superhero movie, kid centric without being childish like i think that this can surpass whatever held down shazam 2 and black adam i don't know man because i don't think the blue like i understand that it doesn't have the well but again he's all over toys that's true it's comics that's cartoons that's true like we just might not see it whatnot so we might we just might not see it because we aren't really the market for those products other than young young justice which was phenomenal but 
Uh, like, I think he might have more name recognition than you think. And I also think that they're billing it as a, like a fun superhero adventure and not like an extreme. I predict it makes more than Shazam opening weekend. Yeah. Fury of the Gods, yes. less than Black Adam. You want to take that bet? Uh, how much did Black Adam make? 67 million. And Fury of the Gods, the second Shazam pulled in just over 30. So I'm saying north of 30.5, south of 667. Do you think it beats 67 is what I'm saying? Um, I mean, this is a big budget film. They threw cash at it. You can see the effects are gorgeous. Like Blue Beetle yeah. looks like Green Lantern making weapons and stuff. He makes a big sword and everything. You know, it looks pretty neat. But what do you think? Do you, uh, do you think it I'm beats gonna, Black Adam? I'm not going to take that bet um, just because I won't be surprised if it doesn't. But I'm hopeful that it will. And so I like this actor a lot. I like Sholo. Sholo. He's really good yeah, I on like Cobra Kai. And I think that kid like deserves a shot at something big. And I think he's a perfect choice for this role. Oh, there's like zero information listed for this movie. I just don't feel a real big connection to the character because I haven't read a lot of it. That's where I'm at. And, we'll, and I have. And we'll I see love how it does. I really like the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle. I was resistant to it because I was such a Ted Cord fan, and he was introduced in the wake of Ted Cord getting shot in the face by Maxwell Lord. Well, let me ask so you this. I, did, I you, didn't really love that. Do you think they but are, I think he's a great character. Do you think they're missing an opportunity here to do an Ant-Man thing where, like, Hank Pym is helping Scott Lang? Like, should they have done Ted Cord is helping James, Jaime Reyes? Um, I mean— Because that would have grabbed, like, old guys like me and you right there. Like, okay, cool. I'm in. Let's do it. But I mean, we don't know that they're not. I, Why is he in the Beetle Cave? You know, I think like, he would. We, maybe I think they would show. Maybe that. that's what we're getting. They show that Wonder Woman showing up at Shazam. <laughs> Joe, I think they would <laughs> show their hand here. I, I think it's a little different, Matt. They fly around in his spaceship and they see all of his costumes. Like I, I think that's I a little it. different. Okay, let's bet this. I'll say Ted Cord does not show up in outside of a credit cookie in this movie. <laughs> Way to hedge your bets. Fine, I'll take that bet. All right, I dig it. I dig it. Joe Patrick, let's continue this theme of trailer reactions we've got going here. This is fun. We got our first trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, is it packed full of stuff. If only get Sony could make other Spider-Man movies this good. <laughs> uh, if, if only, no, you know what? I don't want them to try because they're not. Fair enough. Put these people in charge of making the live action films and I'm with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no reason why they can't make live action films that are at least this much fun. We get to see the spot in action trying to rob a bodega. He's being voiced by Jason uh, Jason Schwartzman. Perfect. Uh, Just a perfect of, choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was great. <laughs> All of the Spideys from part one are back, along with some new ones. We get to see Issa Rae as Jessica Drew, Daniel Kaluuya uh, as Hobart Brown, a.k.a. Spider-Punk. Just call him Hobie. He's Hobie in the comics. Yeah, you gotta call him Hobart. Well, there's another Hobie, though, that's like a different character. Well, Hobie Brown in the 616 is the Prowler. Yeah, so this is Hobart. He's British. Karen Sony as Pavitar Prabhakar, who is Spider-Man India. He is the Spider-Man of Earth 50101, first appeared in the Spider-Man India miniseries in 2005. There's a new mini coming as well. He's in a new costume, and I must say, it is a lot better. Yeah, it's a way better costume, for sure. Generic superhero Indian. Well, obviously, they dress like an Indian prince. <laughs> right? Like, okay, guys, take it easy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I think your assessment is correct, but yes. 
Miguel O'Hara is uh, in full force as Spidey 2099. He's being voiced by Oscar Isaac. He's not happy. Seems kind of like a bad guy. Yeah, but I think this is going to be one of those things. So they're billing this as Spider-Man versus the Spider-Man of the multiverse, which says to me, like, Miguel O'Hara has everybody in, like, this marching order. We're doing a thing. They're all wearing that bracelet that he made so they can, like, stabilize their, you know, multidimensional travel so they're not glitching out like they were in the first. And I think he's sort of, like, doing this whole, like, TVA almost type thing where, like, I fix problems in reality with different spider people doing stuff. And Miles is like, well, why don't we go save Uncle Ben then if we can fix all this stuff? And they're like, ah, sometimes something has to happen for a reason. And I, it looks like Miles is going to push against that and learn. I mean, yeah. yeah I mean, so, n- neither know. neither Miles nor Miguel have an Uncle Ben, so. No, but <laughs> like if you wanted to go back and something save. Something like that. Yeah. What I'm saying is they were all inspired by Peter Parker. We established that, who was became Spider-Man because of Uncle Ben. And if he can do this thing to give back to Peter Parker and save Uncle Ben, like, isn't that the right thing to do? I think it's going to come down to an argument like that. We're like, okay, well, let's then, fix everything that's gone. Then wrong. that makes, uh, then I, then I've already made my verdict, and that means Miguel is right and Miles is wrong. Yeah, because if I, you if you save Uncle Ben, I agree. Then there is no Spider Man, and thus no Spider Verse. I agree, and I think that sets up for a much more interesting story than Miguel O'Hara is just a mustache twiddling villain. No, I agree. I think he's more of an antagonist yeah, than, a, yeah. than a villain. Because some um, people were like, no, no, he's not a bad guy. Like, settle down. Watch the movie first, yeah. you guys. <laughs> we get a fun line from Miguel where he growls, quote, don't get me started on Doctor Strange and the little nerd back on Earth. One, nine, 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 <laughs> which is obviously a an explicit reference to the MCU and Spider-Man No Way, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. In which Peter somehow convinces Stephen Strange to alter um, time and space as we know it. And he couldn't even handle meeting two other Spider-Man without nearly breaking the fabric of the multiverse uh, in half. So great job, Tom. (laughs) Now, this is the first linking of this to the MCU. But this isn't the first time that the MCU has been referred to as Earth 199999. I believe the Marvel handbooks designated it as such. But then in Spider-Man Far From Home, Mysterio says that they are on Earth 616. Oh, okay. That also could have been a line of bullshit that Mysterio made up because he was sure. a fraud. Yeah, like, what does he know about the multiverse? Mysterio lied about everything, everything. up to that um, point. So maybe he was just saying some BS, you know? And I, or I don't think this directly connects anything. I think this is a funny line. That's it. Right, no, I line. agree. But I do also think that it could be a case where... They say something in one movie many years ago because they think it's a fun Easter egg. Sure. That contradicts something that is actually established as canon many years later. Right. So let's not worry too much. That's about all that this. is. How do we feel, though? This looks fantastic. It, it just looks. Of course, it, it looks it looks amazing. I think of all the amazing. movies that we talked about today, this is the easiest one to make because literally you just have to do more. Just do more of what you did in the first one. 100% down. In fact, if this one kicked off five minutes after the first one and we just like all the same character in, I'm in. <laughs> it was great. I love it. I mean, yeah, basically, <laughs> yes. Uh, and 
I mean, it kind of does, right? Because that movie ends with the portal opening above Miles's bed. I suppose, yeah. And you hear Gwen's voice, and we saying, see hey, that in the know? trailer again, and so. that is in the trailer as well. Yeah. Um, all the character stuff, especially, is great. That's what made Into the Spider Verse so wonderful. All of the stuff with the extra new Spider Man is just a feast for the senses. Like, pause yeah. that. Like, pause that frame by frame and get a look at all the stuff in that. Trailer. They're all there. Cannot, cannot wait. Even big head Spider Man from the PS4 game, where you could make his head really big. It's there. Um, I saw, I saw the um, the default costume Spider Man, and also the Spider-Man costume that you get for 100%ing the game, which is Spider-Man in his underpants. Yep. He's in there too. Wonderful Easter eggs Good all around. Over at the Comics News Desk, we got more fall of X details and it's all spinning out of July's X-Men Hellfire Gala one shot. But We got three new books that we're going to talk about. Spinning out of July's X-Men Hellfire Gala one shot comes Realms of X written by Torin Gronbeck. She filled in for Donny Cates when he stepped away from Thor. She also wrote the Mighty Valkyries, also the Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor miniseries and some Marvel Warhammer 40,000 Sisters of Battle stuff, which was really good. I don't think anybody picked up those Warhammer comics except for me, though. So why are we bringing up all this Asgardian stuff? Because Realm of X sees mutant kind entering a thrilling new era of uncertainty and danger and mystery known as Fall of X. New Age won't be limited to Earth as a small band of mutant kind's fiercest warriors are sent on a mystical mission across the ten realms in the Realm of X. This one just happens to take place in Vanheim, right? Vanheim, Asgardian Vanheim, stuff. Yeah, they travel through Vanheim. Your team is Magic, former Valkyrie, Danny Moonstar, Marrow, Dust, Curse, who we had to look up. Curse is a kid that Kitty saved in Marauders number one. We think it's the same character, probably. And of course, beloved mutant Typhoid Mary is here, <laughs> which, you know, interesting. But Joe, you pointed out that Typhoid Mary showed up with the Kingpin seeking asylum recently on Krakoa. Yeah, uh, she is a mutant. So, you know, she is welcome there. I suppose. And in a twist, she and her husband, the Kingpin, came through a portal seeking amnesty following the events in Daredevil. They are on the run from authorities for doing, you know, terrible things. Sure. So here's your solicit, leaping straight from the astonishing events of this year's Hellfire Gala, an unlikely group of mutants find themselves stranded in Vanaheim. And what's even more confusing, the locals seem to believe that they hold the key to fulfilling a prophecy that can either raise the realm to riches or cause it to fall to ruin. With magic's powers malfunctioning and a mysterious figure amassing power on the outskirts of the realm, these X-Men are going to have to band together. They wrote going to twice are going to have to band together if they want to stay alive long enough to find their way home. We both loved that X-Men and New Mutants annual where the X-Men and the New Mutants went to Asgard and they all became Asgard. Yeah. That was super fun. This kind of like doesn't sound exactly the same, but I think they're going for that same kind of feel a little bit here. They're saying, you know, Danny Moonstar, X-Valkyrie and stuff. I don't know. seems like fun. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I love Danny Moonstar, so. I do too. Yes. And I also love magic. So I'm cautiously optimistic because <laughs> I like this team. Tell the kids about Dark X-Men, Joe. 
Next up, Dark X-Men, written by Steve Fox, who wrote uh, the most recent X-Men annual, which was very good. And it's drawn by Jonas Scharf, who drew Avengers of the Wastelands, uh, which I didn't read, but hey. As the X-Men struggle to pull themselves together after their shattering defeat, Madeline Pryor takes charge with her own twisted team of Dark X-Men. The team is Madeline Pryor, Havoc, Archangel, Gambit, Zero, Albert, M-Plate. Yeah. And Azazel. Sorry. Um, we know these bad guys are around. We know that for whatever reason, Charles and Magneto decide we're bringing everybody back. <laughs> like even bad idea people. So. Well, and Azazel is an extra dimensional being. So I don't even know how he's. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know, know if they factor something in where it's like, no, he is a mute. I don't know. But he's also a mutant, right? Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't pay attention to it. I don't. Uh, this zero character we also had to look up because the only zero I know is the white robot with the zero on his face from X Force. Yeah. Apparently, it's the same guy. The time traveling android is what it says. He's going to uh, be like how they get around, it sounds like. He's their body slide by five or whatever. But he looks know? like a bald cable. So I don't really understand. Like, I don't know where he got this upgrade. I don't know. Um, Albert is the old robot Wolverine from the Mark Silvestri Wolverine days. Who was just around not too long ago, had a mini series. He popped like, back up. I love him. Whatever. I love that guy. <laughs> this deadly group uh, will band together to fill the void left by the X-Men and are seemingly the perfect team to combat the harsh conditions of Fall of X. Their hearts are in the right place, but under the unpredictable leadership of the Goblin Queen and operating out of New York's new limbo embassy, will this team's dark ways turn the tide for mutant kind or make things far worse? see the dark web crossover 2023 yeah one thing that you can always count on when uh madeline Pryor comes around she's gonna end up evil 100 percent of the time never been a story where you're like oh thank god madeline was here <laughs> but i mean these are x-men though i know so. havoc is here for some reason i don't like havoc as this bad guy you know, I don't think they're bad guys, Matt, is the thing. Everybody else in the team is a bad guy. Azazel. Uh, but I understand. Madeline Pryor. But under, the, under the new Krakoan paradigm. I get it. Villain, villains have amnesty. Yeah. Okay. So I How'd don't that know. work out for uh, Mr. Sinister? <laughs> also, <laughs> Archangel know? and Gambit. Like, half of them are heroes. Yeah. Madeline, well, okay. But there's Madeline. But Havoc, Archangel, and Gambit are all X-Men in good standing. So I, I understand that. Why, aren't, why isn't one of them leading the team instead of Madeline Pryor? limbo stuff baby i, I guess i guess I, I don't know this is the one i'm kind of least excited for but it, i think steve fox is a really good writer and this one yeah. has a chance to do something weird with a really weird group of x people and nothing tickles me more than that when you're like the x-men are dead we gotta throw together an x team they're like all right forge caliban mystique you know they're like here's your weirdo x-men you're like yes i love it <laughs> The third book they announced was Astonishing Iceman. This one is written by Steve Orlando, who worked on Marauders, and the really good Scarlet Witch. And it's drawn by Vincenzo Caratu, who I don't know, working on uh, Mary Jane and the Black Cat, which is why I don't know him. And this uh, is I read the first issue of that. It was pretty good. Really? So Okay. Yeah. Launching in August. Here's your solicit. Because Jed McKay writes it. I mean. No, fair enough. Just in time for the X-Men's 60th anniversary, readers will witness one of the X-Men's founding members embark on his most extraordinary chapter yet. Astonishing Iceman will elevate Bobby Drake to superhero greatness, complete with a new base of operations in Antarctica. Never before seen uses of his abilities and fierce new enemies. 
Iceman's newfound purpose will position him amongst Marvel's most powerful beings, but a dark side effect of his new mission could cause it all to shatter. I think this sounds really cool because for a while now, they've been telling us that Bobby Drake, Iceman, is like Omega level mutant. And we've seen, right, and we don't see him flex it that often. Yeah, we've seen him do some cool stuff. Like there was that issue where him and Firestar like save the Earth, essentially from a huge falling chunk of rock. <laughs> you know that Orcus tried to drop on the Earth to blame yeah, the mutants yeah. and stuff. So we know uh, I mean, he's he, crazy he, powerful, but like he brought water to Mars. <laughs> I yeah, mean, when they terraformed Mars, but like yeah, he's, I would argue he's a big deal. We haven't seen him flex like we've seen Storm flex or we've seen like Magneto flex. Yeah, I agree. This Iceman book sounds. Sounds pretty good. Realm of X has potential. Not super excited for Dark X-Men. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think in that order, I think. And that's based solely on the on the lineup of the team, not not the creators involved. No, if, no. If, if it's good, it's good, and I'll say so. But right. right now, I'm not, I'm not excited for but it. But I have more faith based on what Steve Orlando is doing with the Scarlet Witch book. And the Scarlet Witch is a character I am on record never caring about. And now I'm reading this book monthly, and it's really good. Iceman is a character I truly love that I think just gets short shrift and has forever. He said like one miniseries, no, two miniseries, the eighties one. And then he had one in like the late nineties that was really brief. And yeah, I mean, he's had a couple. Yeah. yeah. Like it's time to do something cool with Bobby Drake. And I like that. They're finally giving him a story and something to do. Agreed. Before we close out the news, Joe Patrick, sign up for some quick takes on some smaller stories. It is time for ludicrous speed news! Ludicrous speed! Go! Matt, the Mandalorian producer confirms that Din Djarin is no longer the only main character. Are we okay with Pedro sharing the spotlight? I mean, he already is. He definitely, you couldn't argue. He like, hasn't been the main character since like, yeah, the first episode. Yeah, Bo-Katan so. is like, is probably the major push of this season so far. And Grogu has kind of fallen to like third <laughs> in appearances so it is what it I, is i just hope it, they don't muddy it too much because din Djarin is the character i'm we're, i think we're all most interested in right but i think the quote is like the mandalorian is about more than just one mandalorian yeah. it's about the mandalorian people right and so it's no longer the din Djarin story joe resident evil 4 re- joe the resident evil 4 remake surpassed 4 million sales worldwide is it too scary for you to make it 4 million and two no, but I have this kind of aversion to the Resident Evil games, not because of the, not because they're scary, but because I'm too dumb for them. <laughs> like I, I, the, the like puzzles, I feel like yeah, the puzzles. Are I don't, a, a I just don't understand like how you do it. They're inscrutable. I guess I. They I, are I, inscrutable. I okay, here's and your- I like I, I didn't grow up playing them, so I don't have an affinity for them. I bought Resident Evil Four when the Wii, uh, on the Wii when it came out, and I was like. I got to the village and like I got to the part where they overrun the village and you've got to like survive. And I'm like, I don't know what to do or how to do it from here. I I, like I just I grew up playing the Resident Evil games and I came to a realization. I love them. I am going to download this and play it. The mercenary mode sounds like bullshit because you can like pay for upgrades. I don't care about that. I don't care about multiplayer at all. It's not even it's like a horde mode. You can do it yourself or multiplayer. But regardless. I slowly figured out I'm also not smart enough, and I either had a friend or a wife that was sitting there with me, helping me solve everything. And I'm like, yeah, I did it! <laughs> Matt Bomb, James Gunn, has mentioned that now he's in charge. A Marvel DC crossover movie could happen. 
Police your nerd bets? Absolutely not. This is not a news story. This is just James Gunn talking. It's also not what he said. Yeah, it's also not what he said. Slow your roll, <laughs> comic news sites. Because everybody reported it this way. Bullshit. Not what he said at all. Okay? Settle down. Yeah, it, it's not exactly what he said. There's certainly not something in the works. He did mention that, like, of course we talked about it. But all of the conversations we've had have been light and fun. Yeah, there's no way. Um, basically, what he said was now that he's in charge, there's nothing preventing it from happening. Right. Which is not the same thing as it's happening. <laughs> so I doubt it'll happen. But hey, keep hope alive. Joe Patrick, Mario is estimated to make $141 million in theaters this weekend. Should comic book movies be worried now that they're on the decline and we're all in superhero movie fatigue? No. <laughs> what does one thing have to do with another? Nothing. Nothing, but I do uh, want to see the Mario movie. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, I think it looks cute. Uh, I mean, Mario is a worldwide phenomenon, and many, 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 many more play people play video games than read comic books. Yeah, so. face it. Uh, of course it made a ton of Map bomb. We're still talking about Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is now available on demand, right? It's not like... Well, streaming, you know, like watch it on Peacock or whatever, but no, you can rent it or and buy it digitally. I mean, they just call that on streaming. I understand, but a point of clarification: it is not available to watch on HBO Max. You got, you were still waiting for that. This makes it the fastest jump from theater to streaming yet. Is it a good idea or a mark of failure after bombing at the box office? I think it's a good idea. I think it's the only idea they have. If you want to, they get, have to make their money back. Yes, they have to make money first of all, and if you want to get people to see it. Guess what? Put it in their house. Path of Least Resistance. They'll be like, yeah, screw it. I'll watch it. This is the only way they get people to talk about it. So, And also, I don't buy into this idea that, like, it's this idea of admitting failure. That's bullshit. They're going to do whatever they can to make money. Of and course. Of course. It, it already failed. That, we know that. So. And so, yeah, put it on Put it on stream. Do it right now. That said, have not watched it yet. So, Nope. I'll get there. <laughs> I'm sure. Eventually. <laughs> Joe Patrick, Furby is coming back. This time, powered by ChatGPT, is this how the new Terminator revamp begins? Uh, yeah. I, I think mean, so, too. I think it's not a deadly robot that comes crawling out of, like, you know, a can crusher. It is a Furby that kills us all. <laughs> Furby gets the yeah. launch codes, and it's over, you know? <laughs> uh, do not give Furbies AI. Don't do it. Yeah. I'm not worried about ChatGPT scheduling my flights or even running the local nuclear power plant. I am worried about it. If it's a Furby in everybody's house, though, that's terrifying. <laughs> nope. Yep. Just shut it down. Before we get out of here, quick obituary. Joe Patrick, turn it over to you. Yes. Um, writer Rachel Pollock, best known for her work on the Doom Patrol following Grant Morrison at Vertigo. Also, a uh, uh, a very well-known trans activist. Uh, she died at the age of 77. This was uh, according to a post from her wife, uh, Judith. She was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma in July of 2022, so it did not take long. Hey. Uh, she was a, a Vertigo writer in the early days of Vertigo. She was the first openly trans writer in mainstream comics. Uh, she also created the first openly trans mainstream superhero during her Doom Patrol run, Coagula. You might recall seeing, uh, I posted in the Discord not long ago, Neil Gaiman said, just to let her fans and friends know, Rachel Pollock is nearing the end of her life. Yeah. Um, you know, we just want you people to be prepared. And now she has passed, and we're talking like it's been a matter of weeks. So, yeah, she's been very sick, and um, it's very sad. She was a pioneer for 
trans creators in comics and also trans activism, and she'll be missed. Total badass. And we're talking like 80s, 90s at a time where there was no discussion of this stuff before there was any, I mean, like you think it's rough now back then you did not talk about it period. So, yeah, I mean, Rachel, she took over doom patrol in 1993, yeah. which was the year vertigo was created. Think so she that. is one of the earliest vertigo creators and yes. And so she was a trans activist when there was really, uh, there was no trans activism. Wasn't really a thing. Yeah. Rest Do in it. peace, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. That is your nerd news update for the week, but there's always more to discuss. You can always jump in our gang hang on Saturdays from 11 to noon. We do it over at our Discord. You can also post in the nerd news channel on the THM Discord. You know what else we talk about while we're in there? We talk about the question of the week. Joe Patrick, let's reset this question and then give these nerds our answers. This week's question was inspired by last week's Big Jonathan Hickman News. Who is your favorite comic book cosmic or godlike being? Do you have a favorite cosmic pantheon? For example, Marvel's Greek gods. Who's your least favorite? Which cosmic D-bag makes you groan whenever they show up? Now, hard mode, no Thor. Do not tell me Thor is your favorite god. No, well, I'm going reverse order first. I'm going to do the one that I cannot stand. The Beyonder. I hate the Beyonder. I full on hate the Beyonder. They can't decide what that character is, whether they're a god, whether they're a mutant, whether they're an inhuman, but he has complete godlike powers whenever he needs them. I hate the Beyonder. I hate him. Favorite? Herc. Herc Daddy. Absolutely Hercules, number one with a bullet. I love him as much as I love Thor. Thor's great, but you took Thor off the table and I would not have picked Thor. I would have picked Hercules. I don't care as much about the Greek pantheon in Marvel because they don't do a whole lot. I mean, like, they've been around, but it's not like... You're right. The level o- outside, of Wonder Outside of Zeus and Hercules, yeah. you don't get a lot of play It's not from, like the level of Wonder Woman uh, where Ares, it's just I like, guess. yeah, right. oh, God, please don't make me read any more Hercules or Zeus in the pages of DC. Uh, <laughs> it's so dry. Herc, my favorite Marvel, I mean, technically demigod, but I'm doing it. No, I'll count it. Um, you know, I think that we're pretty much in line here. I, I'm trying to think of a, a cosmic character that I like less than the Beyonder, and I don't think I can. I mean, yeah, baby, it's Hercules. Like, I would read, I would rather read. Like, I love Thor. See, I think you should go larger in scope to like. But one of Hercules the, one is of the more big, fun. One of the big dogs. Like, no, I was gonna give. I was gonna give an answer for both. Hercules okay. is my favorite god. Okay, but my favorite like cosmic being, cosmic embodiment. I know I made a joke about the in-betweener, but I honestly don't know anything about the in-betweener. <laughs> this was tough for me, and I'll just, I'm going to lay it out. I don't really care about any of them, and I never really liked them because I don't think they're well-defined, and there was nothing to, like, really grab onto. Be like, oh, man, when Eternity showed up in that issue, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I've just never really cared about any of them. I think by default, for me, it's got to be Mephisto. Even though I haven't really loved like the all Mephisto all the time thing going on in Avengers right now. Yeah. I think, I think Mephisto is kind of the only cosmic, well, there's Galactus, but I don't know if he's necessarily He's a, not a god. He turned away from all that. No, I know. It's not even that. It's that he is, um, he's cosmically empowered, obviously, but yeah. he's not like one of the fundamental beings of the universe, right? No. Like Mephisto is the devil. Right. 
eternity represents the universe. Infinity represents this. You know, I, like he's not an embodiment of anything. Yeah. And so I think it's probably Mephisto because I think that he is the most well-defined and well-used cosmic deity, I guess. Yeah, or, or, I'll, you know, I'll give you that. For lack of a better word. Like who is an actual ongoing presence in the Marvel Universe in a way that like chaos and order are not. Right. And we'll see what Hickman does. Maybe we'll like the gods a lot more when he fleshes all that stuff out. But I think those are all solid answers. I like your Mephisto pick. That's a good one. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a swerve for me because like, cosmic being doesn't have to be necessarily somebody you consider a good guy or yeah like you're not happy they show up like mephisto's bad news no definitely but as far as what marvel has done with the character he's the best all right all right now we got that out of the way set us up with a new question of the week give these kids something to mull over and uh talk about in the discord all we all right uh, this week's question is courtesy of me and it is inspired by my inexplicable love for Man Mountain Marco, which was revealed in our most recent Cosmic Long Box episode. Who is your favorite superpowered character? Doesn't have to be a good guy or a bad guy, just your favorite character with superpowers that did not adopt a costumed identity. So they, they can have a code name, but they just sort of dress like a dude. No, no, no. I don't mean like, like I don't. Well, I mean, Man Mountain Marco, it's not really a code name. It's just what people call him. No, I suppose. I mean? But I mean, like there's other characters like you could. Well, I, mean, I guess Nick Fury wears kind of. A, OK, so here's where like here's where I draw the line. Right. Um, The Kingpin. It's not a code name. It's just what people call it. He's well, sure. the kingpin of crime. But I mean, like, we're talking He more doesn't about, work because he doesn't have superpowers, but you know what I mean. But we're talking more uh, about people that wear civvies and not a superhero costume. I, I'm people that are not superheroes or supervillains, but have superpowers. Gotcha. Okay. So they don't have costumed identities. So, like, I would say no to a code name. Now, if they have a nickname, like the kingpin, that's different. Right. The kingpin obviously doesn't have superpowers, so we're not using him. I'm only using him as a for instance. Fair enough. Okay. So, superpowered character that is not a superhero or a supervillain in the costume sense. I love it. And we'll talk about it all week long in our Discord. And we'll give our answers right here on the Nerd News Update next week. We are back to reviewing new comics this week. And we'll have a little 700th episode anniversary celebration. Until next time, true believers, my name is Matt Bomb. My name is Joe Patrick. This is the Two Headed Nerd News Update. Signing off. <laughs>